Welcome to the Connecting Place podcast. Here is Pastor Joe Caminetti. We have the privilege of opening up the Bible today and looking at incredible part of the Bible. We're in the midst of a series titled, What If? And we're asking one of the most powerful questions that a human being can ask. History's been changed with this question. And today we're going to ask the question, what if we didn't have any secrets? We're going to just ask ourselves, what if we didn't have any secrets? What would that do? How would that change our life? And of course, there are good secrets. You know, it's Christmas time. We're hiding gifts from kids and grandkids, and those are okay secrets. And uh, there's surprise parties that we keep secret. And here at Believers, they don't let me know anymore when something's a surprise because I had an event about 20 years ago, and uh, Gina on a Saturday night told me that she was going to a bridal uh, shower after church on that Sunday, and she, she told me, she told me it was a surprise, but I didn't hear surprise, so I was greeting after church, and the bride-to-be and the groom were coming by, and I shook the bride's hand, and I said, hey, enjoy the bridal shower today, have a great time. And I saw this look of shock on her face. The groom's behind her going, (laughs) and at that point, I backstepped as much as one could, but it did no good, and her surprise was right there in the lobby of BC. And uh, so from that point, I never know. They don't tell me what to, if it's a surprise, I just don't know what's going to happen. And and, uh, those are okay surprises. We're not really talking about Uh, those types of secrets. A secret is something we know is wrong, so we do it in secret, or we do it maybe with a group of people we know are okay with it. But then there's another group of people, maybe church friends, maybe relatives, whoever it might be, maybe our mate, and we know they're not okay with it. And secret can really hurt us, and we'll talk about that as we progress today. I found a text that I thought would be good to read to help open this up a little bit further. And I want to prep you before I read it because my goal as pastor of believers is uh, never to bring condemnation. I'm okay with conviction because conviction is the Holy Spirit dealing with us to change something that's wrong. I'm okay with that. And when you teach scripture, that can bring conviction to people. And that's good. But condemnation is when you walk out of a service feeling worthless and useless and no good and like I can never amount to anything to please God and that's the last thing I want to happen. I want to teach the truth, but I want to teach it with life wrapped around it. And so my goal is not to make anybody feel condemned, but to lift us up to a place to where the light's shining and we can see if we have secrets, it's time to let go of them because they're going to really mess our lives up. And so here's my, my text. It's Ephesians, and, and it's chapter 5, and I'm going to begin in verse 3, and it's going to just reveal some things that could be secrets, and I like the way it ends and what it sets up. And verse 3 says this, but among you, the Christian, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Here's a guy, Paul, he's writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but he understands the difference between condemnation and conviction. So he's dealing with them about their lifestyle, and these people were, grew up heathen, they grew up worshiping God 
in temples where they had sex in order to worship God with priest and priestess. So he's having to clean these people up. And uh, I love the way he ends. He says, you're God's holy people. This is below you. And so even though he's dealing with something strong, he's building them up at the same time saying, God created you different. If you've accepted Jesus, you're holy. God made you holy. And he's saying here, I don't want a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. So there's sexual impurity, but there are other types of impurities. And he's just saying, clean those up out of your lives. Don't do them in public. Don't do them in secret. Verse 4, nor should there be obscenities, foolish talk, or coarse jesting, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. And now he's dealing with what comes out of our mouth. Verse 5, for of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such, as, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And I remember reading this as a young Christian thinking, you mean I accepted Christ and I'm still not going to heaven? Because I'm doing some of these things. And uh, this, this is referring to those that haven't accepted Christ. And you'll see how he ties it in with us. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things... God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient, the non-Christians who haven't accepted Christ. Therefore, do not be partners with them. We've been separated. We've been pulled out. And God's saying, do not partner with these non-Christians. Then listen to verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. And obviously, find out and begin to practice it. Notice some of the terminology. This is really cool. For you were once darkness. That's referring to our spiritual state. And we were once in spiritual darkness. But now he says, but now you are light. God recreated us. He shined us light inside our hearts. And now he says, live as children of the light, man. Walk in the light. And the only place you and I find light is in the Bible. And uh, we find out what, what is good, what is, what is right. And, and, and that's why uh, he's, he's saying this to us. That's why he says the fruit of light consists of goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's how we walk in the light. And every Christian in this room can walk in the light. And we'll talk about how to come up to this place as we progress today. Listen to verse 11 and 12. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. What if we didn't have any secrets? Now, I got to reading this this week and thinking about it. And, you know, most of what's done today that's wrong is not done in secret anymore. It's on TV. It's on the computer. It's in our face. I mean, it's so in our face as Christians what this world does, and they're trying to cram it down our throats and tell us this is what is right, this is what you should be doing. They're, they're flooding our kids' eyes and ears with it, our grandkids. And it's really no more a secret. Back then it may have been a secret. But as Christians sometimes we hold on to some of these things and we do them in secret because we know it's not accepted in the Christian community. And that's the question we're asking ourselves because nobody can be free till they accept Jesus. Once we accept Jesus, we can begin to free ourselves in all of these areas. And, and I, I love what he's saying here. 
He's saying you and I have to come to the place to where we realize something that's sin is shameful and it's something we don't want to do. We want to be free from it. Listen to verse 13. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Christ has shined on every Christian, and the light has come. And every time I teach a Bible message, I'm putting light out there. And I love what happens because when I sit and listen to someone else teach, that light exposes things in me that need to grow and need to change. And that's a good thing. And that's what happens in every service, in, in, in every place where the Bible's read and taught. We are having the light expose any darkness that might be in us. And so today as I open this up, I mean, secrets could be all kinds of things. It could be a mate hiding how they spend the money from their other mate. It, it could be... Uh, bitterness that you keep secret, anger that you keep secret. It could be the sins that we read about in this text. But here's the heart of God. What if we didn't have any secrets? What do keeping secrets do to us? So I got to thinking about this, and, and I'm asking myself, how can I make it really simple? So I came up with what I call the umbrella answer. There's all kinds of things beneath it or underneath it. Here's the umbrella answer. answer. How do secrets hurt us? 1 John 3, 21. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. When your heart condemns you, and if you have secrets, your heart's condemning you as a Christian, then we don't have confidence. That means it impacts our prayer life. It impacts everything we do because we have no confidence. And I came up with this phrase, secrets block our connection with God because they take that confidence away secrets will cause guilt and and all of us have had to deal with guilt as time at times I I remember before I accepted Christ I I stole money off of this guy it was a house party and I stole a bunch of money it was my brother's friend and so I should have never took it but I was I wasn't good before I met Jesus and and um, so I took it then I accepted Christ, and I'll never forget that secret, how I had that secret, and I would be so guilty, and God would deal with me, and he was dealing with me, you need to make this right, you need to take this money back, and, and, and until, I, until I cleaned that up and made it right, because this guy, I remember him coming over the house telling my brother, someone stole, I don't know what it was, 50, 100 bucks out of my brother's drawer last night. And I said, if I find out who it is, I, I said, I'm going I'm I'm to kill that guy for you. you know, and it was me. And uh, so, um, so I'm putting on this show. And, and I had to humble myself and clean that up. And I did. And it's amazing how the guilt left when I did. Secrets cause guilt. You know what else they can cause? Fear. Fear of being caught. And that's an awful way to live. When, when I was... Um, when, when I was a junior in high school, I began to smoke regularly. And just so you understand the background, my dad was a chain smoker. He smoked three packs of cigarettes a day. And he probably only smoked two because all of us brothers took a couple every day and went in the woods and smoked them when we were young. And so he might have only smoked two. He, he thinks he smoked three. But uh, <laughs> we all took them off my dad. But mom wouldn't let us smoke. And so when I was a junior, I decided I'm going to smoke. And it was 
kind of nice. The house was camouflaged because my dad smoked in it. He smoked in his car, you know, and, and uh, so you always had that smell around. And then back then when relatives came over, every relative smoked. I'd sit at the table at, at nine, ten years old. Five people were smoking cigarettes the whole night. Just all that smoke everywhere. It was amazing. And uh, so here I am. I'm hiding smoking. My mom said she'd kill me. She'd slap me and all this, and so I'm hiding it from her. So I have to buy them, I have to sneak, got to make sure no neighbors are in the store when I do it and, and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I'd smoke in my car a lot. And then about a mile out from my house, I'd open all the windows, even in the winter, and let all that air come in and try to clean it up a little. Had a can of Lysol under the seat. And, and when I was home, I'd spray my hair in the car and everything. But in the house, I hid things in my socks and uh, in and, and the drawer, sock drawer. So... Um, it was cool unless I was in the living room and I saw mom walking towards my bedroom. And every time she got close to the bedroom, I had this fear come on it because mom, mom kept the drawers perfect. Like, what if she's going to go straighten my drawers out? Or what, you know, what, what's she going to do? And if she had laundry basket in her hands, I, I just had this fear. I'd, I'd sit there just thinking, I'm going to get caught. I'm going to get caught. And it's so nice living a life where there's no secret where it doesn't matter what I do behind a closed door is the same as what I do in public. It's a life of peace. And to have that connection with God, I don't know about you, but I don't want anything in the world to ever break that connection I have with my Father. And secrets do. They take our confidence away in every area of our life. So I thought I'd just talk about how we can walk away from secrets. And I just want to deal with that as we progress today and uh, just, just kind of tell you what you need to know to walk away from secrets. And uh, I came up with six things, and, and uh, they're life-changing. Some of them you know. Uh, some of them may be new to you. But here's number one. You have to know you're already free. And I've kind of already said that in Ephesians and pointed it out. But let me read you Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. That yoke of slavery could be bitterness, it could be anger, it could be a sexual sin, it could be anything you do in secret. But listen to the first part of the verse. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. If you've accepted Christ, you're already free. And why did he set you free? So you can walk in freedom. And the devil, our enemy, wants us to think that we can't, that we're not, but we are. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. And in lesson two of this series, I talked about what if we saw ourselves the way God does and got into this a little bit. So if you weren't here, I encourage you to listen to that. But one more verse, Ephesians 4.24 says this, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. If you're a Christian, you're holy, righteous, and blameless before God. You're already free. And that's step one of walking away from secrets. And that's why we talk about it in church. And I love this phrase. I coined this a while back. You can't become more holy. You can only live more purely. You're as holy as you'll ever be. Now it's all about purifying ourselves in every area of life. And this is one reason church is important. It's one reason reading your Bible is important because that's where the light is. 
And the light begins to show us areas of our life where we need to make some changes. Here's number two. Some secrets take time to overcome, and, and this is so true. Hebrews 10, 14 says this, For by that one offering, Jesus dying, he forever made perfect, that's us, those who are being made holy. So you've been made holy, you've been made perfect, but now notice how it's a process. We're being made holy. We're being purified. And this is the wonderful thing about God. So some of you are sitting here, and you have some secrets. And my heart and my prayers have been that you're going to come out of this service just saying, I don't want any secrets anymore. I want my connection with God to be pure. And the first step in that is knowing you're free. The second step is just knowing it takes time. So you might have to do what we're going to talk about next over and over for a while. And here it is. Number three, you must come clean before God. This is so important. And if you don't come clean before God, that's where it, it all happens. You'll never be able to walk away from a secret. You have to say to God, you're right, the Bible's right, I'm wrong, I want to be free. And listen to 1 John 1, 8 and 9, as simple as can be, but powerful. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. John's writing this to Christians, so the we and the us is Christians. And he says, if we claim to be without sin, that means we never make a mistake, we never sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if you're a Christian, the truth is in you. He goes on in verse 9 and says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I love this verse. This verse is powerful. And today there's, some, there's a frame of thought that Christians don't have to confess or repent for sins because we're already forgiven. And the last part of that's true. We are already forgiven. But when you and I go to God and say, you know what, I've sinned or I'm sinning, forgive me. There's the cleansing of all unrighteousness that is so powerful. And I can tell you from experience, when I, when I get real with God and I say, Father, what I'm doing or what I did is wrong and I repent, he cleanses my soul from that dirt and that yuck and anything that's unrighteous, he makes it clean. And, and, and my pipeline to heaven is cleaned out. And that's what all of us want to be is cleaned out. So I must be honest with you and say there's not a day that goes by that I don't say to God, forgive me, because I, I say something I shouldn't say. I have an attitude I shouldn't have. Um, and sometimes it could be more serious, but usually it's those kinds of things. And I'll just say, Father, forgive me. Now, there's a few of you in this room. You deal with condemnation, and I, I want to help you out here. I, I don't deal with condemnation, so I have to, I've had to interview people that deal with it to find out what it is, because uh, I, I do not have any condemnation before God. So I have to find out and talk to people. Some people walk in condemnation. That means that they feel God doesn't love them, that they're not worthy, and I just feel like God loves them. I feel when I get up in the morning, he smiles. He says, I'm so glad you're up, Joe, and, and he likes me, and you need to be that way, not because of who I am, but because of what Jesus did. I'm not righteous in and of myself. I was a creep. But, but Jesus saved me. He saved me. 
and he made me whole, and he made me holy, and he made me blameless, and he made me pure. I love myself for that reason. And, and I refuse to be under any condemnation for anything. And I want to help you out if you deal with it, because the Bible says there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Now there's conviction. There's times when I walk around and I know God's dealing with me to stop something, and I'm like, all right, give me a day or two. Let, I'm not ready yet, but I will. Well, then you go to bed convicted. You know, I got to stop this thing. But condemnation's totally different. It's I'm not worthy. It's extreme shame. And I'm telling you, God doesn't want you to have any condemnation. There's none in Christ, guys. We're free. And when I say, Father, forgive me, I'm just saying that to make it right. If I did something wrong to you, wouldn't you expect me to come up and say, hey, I'm sorry, forgive me for doing that to you? I mean, if you knew I did it, wouldn't you expect me to say, hey, forgive me? And with God, I do that. But the number one thing is, man, it cleanses me. And it makes me just cleanse from all unrighteousness. Now, here's number four, because I've run into this through my whole Christian walk. God can give you his grace. Sometimes I'm just not strong enough to stop something. And over the years, I remember going to God just saying, I remember when I was a young Christian, and I told you this last week, I think, or the week before, and I, I learned in the Bible, I saw in the light that, you know, we're not supposed to have sex outside of marriage, and we're not supposed to even, you know, no pornography is wrong, and I'm seeing all this in the Bible, and if you think it, it's the same as doing, and I'm like, God, come on. And uh, so he's dealing with me. If you grow up in the world, that's like, that's really strange thoughts. And um, I remember going to God in the first several years and just saying, God, I'm going to have to put on a blindfold and just walk around because I cannot deal with this thing. And I'm so sick of it. And I remember going to God and just saying, you've got to give me grace. And it's amazing when you humble yourself and you go to God and say, I need grace. He'll give you strength you didn't have. He'll break chains that you thought could never be broken. And here's, here's my scripture, Hebrews 4.14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. That's referring to his 33 years on this earth. He felt every temptation. He overcame them. So he's qualified to help us. But I love what it says. Notice as we read on. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. How many of you like mercy? That's God forgiving you when you don't deserve it. And I thank God for mercy. And then grace is God's strength that supersedes. It's his ability superseding our ability. It's his strength. And so you can go to heaven if you have a secret and you made it right with God. You're saying to yourself, I know, I know I'm already free. You made it right with God and you're still struggling. And you don't, maybe you don't even want to give it up. Just say, God, I need your grace. Give me strength to do this. And you'll begin to change. Everything in you will change because he'll give you strength. Here's, here's number five. And some people will argue this, but I've found it to be true. 
you might need professional help. Um, sometimes I, when we counsel here at Believers, we'll take people so far and then we realize we need a Christian psychologist who's trained to help them to get them to the next level. I, I don't have what it takes. I can give them scriptures, but I'm not trained like somebody. And I always like Christian psychologists because they, they love the Bible like we do. And I, I wrote this down. Most addictions are the result of guilt and shame that haven't been identified and let go of. And professionals can help you deal with that and let it go and release it. And it will help you greatly if you go to a professional. And here's Proverbs 19.20. Take good counsel and accept correction. That's the way to live wisely and well. And people ask me sometimes, how do I know when I need a professional? Well, if, if, if counseling at church hasn't helped with pastors, if you're still struggling with it and you haven't gotten rid of it, go to somebody that's been trained. And they'll, they'll see some things that you don't even see and they'll help you get to the center of things and get through things that you're not able to get through. Wonderful for marriages that are struggling. Wonderful if you have a secret that you're struggling to get rid of. I don't know if you know this or not, but if, if we take the example of sexual addiction, 10% 10, 10 of men have zero sex drive. And it's chemically, it's why they don't, chemical problems in their body. 10% of men have zero sex drive. 10% of men are sexually addicted. And 80% of men are somewhere in between. They can be anywhere in between these two extremes. And when a man has a sexual addiction problem, that 10%, they're going to need professional help because it's going to go back into self-worth issues, shame issues, and they need someone to help them navigate that and deal with some things because they know they're wrong, but they need somebody to help them become all the way free. And so that's why I say you may need a professional. That's why I throw these things out, try to help people. Here, here's number six, you ready? Uh, you have to walk in the light. It's pretty simple. You have to walk in the light. Um, listen to this, Romans 13, 12 through 14. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us Christians put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Notice how there's two things. Put aside darkness, put on the armor of light. That's the Bible, read it, put it in song, listen to it. Verse 13, let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So fill yourself up with God. Here's what I came up with. It's impossible for secrets to exist in the light. And I see two things here. You ready? Number one, he says, throw away the deeds of darkness. We have to avoid the wrong neighborhoods spiritually. If, if we have secrets and we can't get rid of them, Begin to ask yourself, what am I doing to feed this secret? You know how Jesus said the devil's coming, but he has nothing in me? He, there's nothing in me he can, he can tempt. And I think sometimes as Christians, we fill up so much on the wrong thing that the devil has things in there that he can pull on and he can pull us over into some secrets that we don't want to have. And so I always tell people, if you're free, you're doing probably the right thing. If you're struggling and it's a secret, maybe no one knows but you, 
then you need to ask yourself, first of all, what neighborhoods am I hanging out in? Am I feeding on the wrong thing? Am I watching the wrong thing, listening to the wrong thing? And that's the question you have to ask. And so you may need to walk away from something so you can be free. I don't know. You have to decide that for yourself. But I do know this. If you read your Bible every day, I love to put worship music on when I'm driving uh, in my house, if I'm getting ready in the morning. It's just a good, just to saturate yourself with godly worship because that's light and that strengthens you. And so if you're struggling, you want to fill up on the things that are called light. and Fill yourself with them. And you want to avoid things that are called darkness. So you guys have heard me say this before. I'll have people ask me, um, is it okay to listen to secular music? And I always say, music, like anything else, it's all about the lyrics. So you have to see, are the lyrics good or bad? You have to examine that. If you feed on the wrong lyrics, it's not good. You're putting that inside you. But here's the other thing. Lyrics can be good, but they could also be lifeless. And that's why worship songs are so wonderful, because there's life in the Bible. And if it's put to song, there's life. And you know, when we sang this morning, wasn't there life that was dispersed? How many of us, after we sing three or four songs, we sing four here at BC, how many of you feel like, yeah, and you, you say, boy, I wish I felt like this on Thursday. And, uh, uh, but you know what? If you put on some worship songs at home and listen to them in your car, you'd feel like this on Thursday. You'd feel good. You say, I feel so good. And it's just about flooding yourself with light. So you have to ask yourself, am I walking in the light? I think I've done enough damage today. So, <laughs> amen. The damage is done, guys. No. <laughs> What if we didn't have any secrets? Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Let's look up to heaven. Lord, I love every person in this room, and I pray for them, and I love them, and we're all different. We're all at a different walk stage, but these are eternal, everlasting principles. Lord, there are some here that have secrets of bitterness and unforgiveness, and I know you've dealt with them. There's others that have secret sins, and Secrets from their mates. Lord, we, we don't want to have any secrets because we want to have confidence before you. And Lord, I know there's so many people here that have no secrets and we're just excited that we can keep walking in the light and stay out of dark areas and, and be strong. So Lord, as we look up to heaven... I thank you for speaking to us through scripture, through some words that I've said. And now I just, Father, I give us time just to make some things right. If you're sitting here and you say, there's some secrets I need to release, I, I want to just let you talk to God right now. Father, we're thankful for our salvation and yet we, we just don't want to play games. We, we want to live the Bible. So 
I thank you today for speaking to hearts that needed to be spoken to. And Lord, I thank you that we're the holy children of God if we've accepted Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that you are purifying each and every one of us. As we walk into this week, Lord, if there's areas of darkness that we're connected to that we need to see, open up our hearts. Speak to us by the Holy Spirit at that moment so we can connect that to today and we can make some adjustments. And Lord, teach all of us with our different personalities and different lifestyles. Lord, teach us how to flood ourselves with light in a greater way. Help us get out of ruts and help us go to the next level spiritually. Church, let's stay in an attitude of prayer. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes just for a moment more. If you walked in here today and you weren't sure of your forever, I want to give you an opportunity to be sure. You know, we, we, we took, partook of the Lord's Supper. We talked about Jesus' sacrifice. He's so awesome. We read about him in some scriptures. He's so cool. He died for our sins. Here at Believers, we're about Jesus. He's so good. Our goal is to connect you with him. That's step one. And then you witness today, step two is connecting us in every area of our life as we follow Christ. But heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here, you can't remember a day in your life where you prayed and said, Jesus, I want to receive you as my Savior. I want to begin to follow you. I believe what the Bible says about you. If you're here and you say, that's me, and you're ready to pray today, would you pray with me? Everyone else in the, in, in the house here, would you, would you pray with them? And just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe what the Bible declares about you. And this day, I make a decision to follow you. Give me strength to follow you and obey the Bible. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Connecting Place podcast. For more information about Believers Church, visit believers.cc.